Welcome to episode 9 of the City of Champions podcast. My name is Erod and I'm joined here by my co-host Gene. In this episode, we discuss the Dodgers against the Reds, including Doc's questionable decisions, and we look at the Lakers versus Magic and Wizards, and I look ahead to the remainder of the season. Welcome Dodgers and Lakers fans to episode 9 of the City of Champions podcast. A lot of good things and a lot of bad things to talk about today, especially with the Dodgers. Gene, give me your initial reactions on our uh, series with the Reds. Initial reactions. Uh, Our starting pitching for the first time started to struggle, kind of let us down a bit. Uh, The offense continues to let us down and we're saved by who you call the greatest of all time, Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, man, he had an immaculate game. Never lets us down. The curveball was nasty. He was on point. And luckily, our offense came to came alive for the first time in like 20,000 games. But let's take it game by game. Um, do you want to go ahead and start off with the game one? Yeah, man, let's let's hit it, man. So so game one, we did lose. Score was five to three. Our boy Julio Urias on the bump. Not his not his best start. Five innings, four hits, three earned runs, two walks, six Ks. Uh, just not as sharp, not as sharp as he's been. Um, Changeup wasn't really there. Seemed like the Reds were trying to jump on the fastball. He wasn't getting ahead of hitters like he normally does. But again, I mean, it's not a, a horrible start, right? Three and runs, we'll take it. Just not as great as he's been. Um, and then, you know, the offense couldn't really generate too much. Um, couldn't really put enough enough runs to, to get of, uh, to get the win for us. Yeah, you know, and uh, it seemed like every time they took the lead, we came back, but we couldn't get over the hump. We got killed by Castellanos, by Winker, and it was just one of those games, man. We, they, you know, the bats weren't alive. Rio's just shitting the bet again, having a not great game. Not really sure what um what to do with that guy, you know. He's been a problem. He was a problem against San Diego. He was a problem this time around, and it's against the Reds. The last place Reds. I get they had a hot start, but they kind of went on. I think a nine game uh, losing streak uh, right before we played them. Yeah, they they played horrible right before they came into LA. And I know what to do with Edwin Rios, bro. bro. It's, it's not that hard. Edwin Rios, you just sit his ass on the bench. And you just don't play them, and you wait for the next person to come off the IL, and you send them down. It's that simple to me. He he does not. He does. He doesn't. Up? I mean, I've told you already who I think should be on the bench. Um, it first when McKinstry when he comes back healthy, McKinstry deserves a spot. The next spot I'm giving is to probably Matt Beatty. I just like his bat. I feel like he has good at bats. And Sheldon Noisy, man. Um, I like Sheldon Noisy up, and then I. I don't want to see DJ Peters in the batter's box again. I don't want to see Edwin Rios in the batter's box anymore. I mean, Rayleigh's been kind of whatever. Uh, I mean, but he's pretty trash as well. So, um, yeah, that's who I feel like as far as like our, our prospects and our um, lower level guys who who should be on the bench. At least until, you know, the minor leagues get going and we, we see some guys get hot. Yeah, and I think uh, DJ Peters, he got optioned this morning. So, that's, uh, that's what happened with that. He's not going to be... Uh you know, up with the team anymore. Um, but, you know, he's not ready yet. So it is what it is. 
um, Beatty, though, you know, Beatty's, uh, you know, Beatty and Noisy, those are two guys I really want to see get more at bats. These are guys that, especially Noisy, right? He came off last series homering off of both left and right handed hitters. And with limited action, being able to have that kind of success against both sides is a good indication. And it's something that Doc should really be paying attention to. And it's surprising why he hasn't been getting that many opportunities. He keeps sticking with Rios, or at least, you know, through the first two games, kept sticking with Rios. And I mean, the guy just, he can't hit, he can't even make contact. And it's, it's, it's really sad. But, but let's not all put it on Rios, man. This first game of the series is not all on Rios. So here's, here's some, just, just some stats for you, bro. Runners in scoring position, we were one for 10. That's never going to get it done. Cause it's not like we don't walk, man. We do walk and we get on base. Like Max Muncy, I feel like is on base 50% of the time. He draws walks. It's just nobody's hitting behind him. So our, our four through nine hitters in the first game, one hit, 10 Ks, one for 20, 17 left on base. That's your four through nine hitters. That's basically, you know, minus one, two, three. So that's more than the second half of your lineup. That's just not going to get it done, man. So sure, Udias didn't pitch great. We can blame Kenley Jansen for blowing it and giving up the two home, two run home run in the 10th. But at a, at a certain point, our offense needs to do its job. Everyone talked about how deep our lineup was, how great the offense was. And I know we're dealing with injuries, but the guys need to pick up the slack you know, next man up and Dave Roberts needs to start getting creative with his lineups and maybe go away from his traditional like left, right, left, right and all these other things he likes to do and use the eye test, man, and give Beatty some reps, um, you know, keep Rios on the bench, give Sheldon Noisy some reps if Lux is not going to, you know, uh, pick it up and start hitting and just, you know, mix up the lineup, man. We got to get creative. Yeah, man. And let's talk about that lefty, righty, lefty, righty configuration Doc really goes to. He loves like I was telling you earlier, it doesn't make you know too much sense to have that sequence, especially now that relievers are forced to pitch to at least three batters or end the inning. Um, before you know when you could kind of play chess in the later innings, and you know coaches were switching out relievers to get the perfect matchup, it made sense. But now it just doesn't make sense, and especially at the top of the lineup where you have Muncie batting fourth. You've got, you know, Turner batting uh, third, Seager batting second, Mookie batting uh, first. In my opinion, that's that's all wrong. I'd like to see Muncie bat either first or second. This guy gets on base so many times that I think he has something like forty walks already in the season. Um, if I read that early, correctly earlier, so you know the the point of the leadoff hitter is to get on base, and Muncie does that really well. So why not put him in that first slot? He has the speed. To get around the bases if, uh, you know, someone behind him gets a base hit or, um, you know, puts puts the ball in, in play. So why not have him there? Why slot him in the fourth spot, the cleanup spot where you normally expect a power hitter who can, again, clear the bases? Muncy's not doing that yet. He's not doing, he hasn't gone into that groove. He's drawing walks. And so as long as he's drawing walks, you know, put him up in the lineup. I hear you. I hear you. So just uh, Max Muncy's on base percentage, bros, four four thirty seven as of today. Recording this on Wednesday after the uh, we beat the Reds. So four thirty seven on base percentage. Uh, he's drawn twenty twenty five walks, bro. Twenty five walks. So not quite forty, but twenty five walks. Um, but I hear you, man. So he has twenty five walks. The next closest Dodger 
or Dodgers are Seager, Taylor, and Turner with 13. So he's almost doubled the amount of the next player on the team with walks. So clearly he's good at getting on base. We see that. And I hear you. Um, great discipline. Max Muncy has great plate discipline. But at a certain point, I'd like to see him swing the bat a little bit more. And I'm starting to wonder, are pitchers just kind of pitching around him to get to the fifth hitter? Kind of seems that way. It seems like they're pitching around him to get to the fifth hitter. So I think what happens is if you move him up, they're probably not going to try to pitch around him and he'll get more opportunities to take some swings. He'll get better looks. Yeah, and maybe you move Mookie to two, Seager to three, Turner to four, Taylor five. That's who I think are your best five hitters right now. And so that's how I'd stack the lineup just to start and then, you know, throw Beatty in there and, you know, Noisy, Pollock, whoever else you're going to put out there. You know, Will Smith is kind of struggling, so I'd probably move him down a bit. Yeah, that's, you know, that's exactly what's happening is, look, you've got six, seven, eight, nine who aren't hitting at all. Other teams know this. So why pitch to Max Muncy? What is the incentive in pitching to him? There is none. So walk the guy. He's going to get stranded on base and, you know, you get yourself a, a sort of free out um, in a sense. You know, why 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 have Mookie bat so early in the lineup? He's a, he's a guy that could easily bat third. He's a guy that could easily bat second. Same with Seager. You could interchange those two guys. Have Turner bat fourth. That way, if Muncy gets on base... Turner's been our most reliable hitter. He's been the guy that's been driving in the runs. But really, by putting Muncy in the fourth, fifth hole, you're taking the bat out of his hands. And it's not fair to him, and it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense anymore. And that's really what's been frustrating, you know? So looking at just on-base percentage, Mookie, I mean, Muncy is clearly leading the way with the on-base percentage. Then right after that's Justin Turner. Uh, Mookie doesn't have a horrible on-base percentage, 362. We can clearly tell he's slumping a little bit. Uh, Seager's on-base percentage is 352, so not horrible on-base percentage. But I would like to see Muncy higher up in the lineup and just give Mookie a chance to not feel the pressure of setting the table um, and then just allow uh, Turner to hit with more runners on, allow Seager to hit with runners on, and, you know, give you know move Mookie to two, move Mookie to five. I don't, I don't know where you want to move him. But just, you know, take a little bit of that pressure off because I do think Mookie's kind of slumping a bit. You know, OPS has it today at 774. So really, our, our four best hitters right now are Turner, Taylor, Muncie, Seager. And, I mean, Taylor, his OPS is 939. He's second on the team behind Turner, then Muncie. So, I don't know, man. It, But but also, here's the thing. Does it matter how we set the lineup if only we only have three to four hitters? Like, if three to four dudes hitting the ball, like, does it really matter at the end of the day, they're probably going to just pitch around their fourth hitter all the time and then just mow down, you know, five, six, seven, eight. And let's also say this, man, when Austin Barnes is in the lineup and he's hitting number eight, he's kind of an automatic out. We've both always felt that way, that Austin Barnes is kind of an automatic out at number eight. And then you have pitcher at nine. So we're definitely missing some depth in our lineup since um, Bellinger has gone down. When he comes back and he hits behind Muncie, things will kind of, you know, start to balance out. You can't pitch around all these guys. Right. And, uh, you know, it kind of just takes you back to the, uh, you know, what happened in the offseason, letting Jock go, letting um, Kike go. Um, these guys were reliable. You know, they were reliable on both offense and defense. And we don't have that anymore. And it's sort of like we've got these, you know, up and coming prospects who are good, just not necessarily or quite ready yet to be in the big leagues. Um, you're kind of seeing it with Lux. You, you know, you saw it with Rios and then uh, you saw it with uh, with Peters. 
and it's not fair to them and it's not fair to the uh you know the first team um you kind of you know you, you want someone to be backing you up someone who you can rely on to get hits with runners in scoring positions and you don't have that right now and it's uh it's it's a weird spot to be in it's it's not fair um i think dog needs to do a lot better and he's not putting Barnes out there is a perfect example. You you look at what Will Smith uh, did in the second game, and then you look at what Barnes did in the uh, third game, and it just it doesn't add up. So I question Doc, and I question him every year. Um, it always works out, but I always question his decision making because it's come back to bite us in the ass so many times. And uh, you know it it sucks. Um, not to talk too much about Jansen, but again, you know he came off of two hot performances and then returned back to his you know, blowing the game self, which comes up too much and it's it's not good. Yeah, I mean, he gave up that leadoff homer and, you know, extra innings. So there's a runner starting at second base. So that kind of sucks, you know, two run homer. There's a game uh, he did fine besides that. You know, I'm not like, you know, everyone else, like all the Dodger fans on Twitter. I'm still not hitting the panic button. I'm still not worrying. I just like to see our team get healthy. Got a lot. I mean, think about who's on the IL right now, bro. Right? Think about who's on the IL: Bellinger, McKinstry, Gonsolin, Price, Knable, Kelly. So, plenty of talent on the IL. Plenty of pitching talent, and you know, you're talking about Bellinger, uh, a former MVP, right? Who completely changes the lineup, adds a different dynamic, power, speed, adds a dynamic to the outfield with his defense. So I'm gonna just wait till everyone's back and everyone's healthy. I'm gonna wait to give Luck some some reps to find his groove and then see how I feel about him before I start hitting the panic the panic button on this team, man. Let's hit game two though, bro. What are your thoughts on game two? Uh Walker Bueller on the bump. How'd you feel about his start? Same thing we were talking about earlier. I think it was like episode two, episode three, where He does really well for stretches, and then he has a really bad game. And I feel like this game was his really bad game. Now, on paper, it may not seem horrible because he he only allowed, what, like seven hits? But he did allow five earned runs. And those five earned runs, that's a lot. You know, that's a lot given that we're not hitting. And that's a lot in general. That's a lot in general. And uh, it's it's frustrating because you sort of expect more out of him. He's really the guy that's going to fill in for... Kershaw when Kershaw sort of starts to decline um it hasn't happened yet we've been waiting for it for the last couple of years but Kershaw continues to perform and Bueller continues to have disappointing starts in the uh in the regular season sort of hanging around that three 350 uh, ERA range and yeah he strikes out a lot of people but again giving up those big hits is not a, a good indicator that's really my biggest impression of game two uh, aside from Will Smith who with given playing time did pretty well um, three RBIs. And so I'm happy with that. Um, I just, again, wish he had more consistency because it's almost seems like he starts to get hot and then he's, you know, moved from the lineup. And that's not the, that's not the way to do it. And, you know, I tweeted about this, um, earlier today about, I think, uh, it was the time, la- not last year, but a few years ago when Puig hit like six home runs in like two games. He was just hot. He was just hitting anything and everything. And then, the next game, Roberts benches him because of the matchup. Any baseball player, any baseball coach, anyone who's ever watched baseball knows that when a hitter is hot, he's going to hit everything. It doesn't matter if he's lefty, righty, lefty and righty. He's going to hit everything. And for Roberts to sort of like kill that momentum, especially in baseball, a game of momentum, a game of streaks, 
he keeps just like killing that momentum and it doesn't make sense. Like I get the analytics, but the analytics don't show the whole story. The analytics don't tell everything. The analytics don't provide context for situations. And I feel like when it comes to Roberts, he only plays the analytics and it just doesn't make sense because it kills team momentum. It kills players who are either slumping or not slumping and hot. And it's just not good for anyone. Yeah, so the Dodgers have played 25 games so far, and Will Smith has caught 18 of the 25. So, I mean, I'm happy with that split, you know, 18 to 7. I'm not mad at that. But I hear you. He definitely needs to get just more at-bats to find his groove, to find his rhythm. Um, You know, because even though he's kind of struggling, I think the batting average is just right above 200. He's still getting on base at a good clip. And I feel like everyone knows he's just, you know, that home run, when he hit that home run, that three-run home run in game two, Everyone said like he was already, he was just due for a big game, just due for a big hit. When that ball, when that that, that ball uh, cracked off the bat, you knew it was gone. Um, he's just been making hard contact. It just keeps, you know, not finding the hole um, in the infield or and just in the field in general. But um, Walker Bueller, bro, like you said, um, kind of a rough outing for him. A lot of strikeouts. Uh, but as you mentioned, a ton of extra base hits. But I'm going to put this back on the offense, man. I know we did generate five runs. Um, we did get those five runs, but, uh, four for 31, man, four for 31. So a lot of walks, a lot of walks getting on base and then, but just not a lot of hits, man. Only four hits all game. Yeah. And if you look at who got the hits, Will Smith and Beatty, and who are the two guys that don't get playing time regularly that are constantly in and out of the lineup? It's those two guys. And they're the ones that came up with the big hits. It's the rest of the lineup that just isn't performing the way they normally should be our power hitter. Again, other teams are pitching around our power hitters. Turner with two walks, Muncie with two walks. So teams are catching on, you know, why pitch to, you know, the one through four, one through five, when we could walk those guys and then deal with, uh, with uh, you know, the rookies and prospects and, you know, the not so experienced players. So it's not a good sign, especially against the Reds. We shouldn't be losing to them. We shouldn't be losing to them the way we did where we take the lead and they come back right away. We take the lead again and again, they come back with, you know, three more runs. It's just, uh, it's not right. And uh, Doc's got to be smarter. Doc's got to be smarter. He's got to get his head out of the papers, out of the metrics, out of the analytics because they do not tell the whole story. And it's sort of like, you know, when, when you're dealing with strategy, strategy works if you're the only one with some sort of insight or some piece of data that others aren't, you know, priced to. But when it comes to baseball, everyone's everyone has the same data. You can go online and pull up almost any number on anyone. So it's not like we're fooling anyone else. We're not fooling any other team. They know what we're trying to do. And so planning around that is pretty damn easy. It's not it's not hard. And so Roberts has to understand that that yeah, analytics can inform strategy, but they're not the whole strategy. They don't tell the whole story. And so he's got to be smarter about that. He's got to sort of mix in the analytics with uh, with uh, intuition and uh, you know the scrappiness of like you know small ball. It's something that Mike Matheny did with the Cardinals a few years ago, and he was really good at that. And that's how he beat us year in and year out because he outsmarted us. And it's only a matter of time, just like the uh, Padres did last year. He's had so many stolen bases because they they exploited that. And now you're going to start to see a a ton of teams do the same thing. They're going to start stealing bases. They're going to start pitching around our our best hitters. And they're really just going to take their chances against the, uh, the smaller guys. And baseball evolves like any other sport, like any other thing really in business and in life. 
you've got to keep evolving. You've got to keep changing up your game. You've got to keep reinventing yourself. You can't just rely on the same old data, same old tactics, or they will come back to haunt you. Yeah, well, so here's a positive thing about Doc, man. It seems like uh, today in the post-game interview, they asked him about Matt Beatty because in the last two games, Matt Beatty had four RBIs, right? So huge, uh, huge shout out to uh, Matt Beatty for being clutch and coming up with those. And they're just singles, bro. That's it. It's not a home run. It's not a double. He's just making solid contact and finding the opening in the defense. Singles and driving in runs. That's what I like about Matt Beatty, man. He The, the swing is compact. It's tight. It gets to the ball quickly. He's not, you know, swinging for the fences every time like some of our other guys like Rios and and Peters seem to always uh, do like just swing for the fences. Like that's all he can do is hit home runs. He's the so ball player. Like. And he's been a baller, bro. I've been saying this early on. Like why is Matt Beatty not getting reps? I was saying this earlier in the season when I was kind of over Rios. And I never really wanted Rios in the lineup. And so happy to see Matt Beatty getting the reps, man. And, you know, let's see, man. Let's see. Maybe Doc has found something and moving forward. You know, we see Matt Beatty in the lineup more often and, you know, the lineup maybe starts to, you know, improve now that you have some guys in the bottom half of the lineup who are just contact hitters. Those are all good points, which, you know, takes us to game three. And you have to ask yourself, why wasn't Beatty in the lineup? Why wasn't Beatty in the lineup, man? Was it was it to, you know, to give Luke Rayleigh a start? Because uh, Luke Rayleigh was in left field today, right? No, Luke Rayleigh was in right field and Pollock was in left field. So I'm, bro. I do not know because we can't say it's the lefty lefty matchup or anything like that. Because that's Sunny Gray on the bump, who's a right hander. So um, and and Beatty played left field yesterday. So I don't see why Beatty couldn't have played left field today and Pollock play right field. And and you have Mookie in in center today. They had Mookie in center. They had Pollock in left. So I don't. Yeah. So to me, Rayleigh shouldn't be playing, bro. I don't see why that that's not Bailey and Beatty in left field and, and Pollock in right field with Mookie in center. Especially after a hot game, right? What we just talked about is Beatty has a great game. He's potentially starting to get hot. He's, again, one of the only two guys that drove and runs the game before. And you replace him for Rayleigh, who didn't play the day before and... Game one, he went over five, so he didn't show any signs of, hey, look, I'm hitting well or I'm hitting the ball hard. No, he didn't. And uh, why you put him in there this game is just beyond me. Um, Noisy hasn't been getting, you know, time. It doesn't make sense, especially after the good series he had against the Padres. It doesn't make sense. Robert's just like, he looks at the guys that did the best and then removes them and then puts in the worst guys in, in there to replace them. And it's not right. Luckily, though, like we said uh, at the beginning of the uh, episode, Kershaw, old, reliable. This guy gets the job done. Let the people know, bro. What'd you think about Kershaw today? That's your boy, man. That's your goat right there. That's my goat. That's my boy. He was dominant, man. His curveball was just sick. Pitching Ninja on Twitter for those of you guys who don't know who he is. He's a guy that really uh, analyzes the way pitchers, you know, deliver, you know, pitches, always posting uh, videos about it. And he showed uh, an overlap of Kershaw's fastball and his curveball. And it was almost an identical delivery and the trajectory or the location is almost identical. So it's like he's throwing the same pitch, but they're two completely different pitches that are ending up in the same spot. He's getting better with age. He's like Greg Maddox. He can't rely on his speed. So he's going to the slider. He's going to the curveball and he's got that pinpoint location and just eight strikeouts over seven innings with only four hits and one walk on no runs allowed. Dominant through four innings, only 49 pitches, two strikeouts in the sixth. So as the game gets, you know, as we get deeper into the game, he's still mowing people down. 
He's efficient. He's a great. You can't deny that. Only the greats get better with time. You think about LeBron James. You think about Kobe Bryant. These guys are guys that adapted to the changing nature of not only their bodies, but also the game and got better. And so we're really lucky to have him on the team because like we said with Bueller, he's really good for stretches at a time, but then he has really bad games. Kershaw is not that. Kershaw delivers. And even during his bad games, he knows how to manage his poor outings and he can sort of do damage control like no one else. Um, so I was really happy with that. Um, and the offense came to, came to life. What were your thoughts on that? I want to talk on the point that you just mentioned about Kershaw being able to navigate trouble and being able to like uh, minimize damage. Uh, just a couple innings there where guys would get on, you know, he'd walk some, you know, not walk someone, but someone would get on single runner on first to start the inning or whatever. And he just does a great job of like buckling down. Um, and I think he does a couple things to help him with that. Number one, people don't run on Kershaw really. He holds runners really well. So that minimizes the the running game. It eliminates the running game because no one's going to really run on him because it's a great pickoff move and he does a real good job of holding runners. But besides that, man, he just, he, he doesn't walk anyone. So if you put someone on, he more than likely is not going to add anyone on. You're going to have to earn your way on. And then um, just like you said, man, just uh, really effective with his pitches, man. That slider, man, that slider just continues to be extremely effective. Uh, I think he had like, I want to say uh, of his eight strikeouts that I think six were on the slider. Um, and it's just impressive, man, because you know it's coming. But like you said, he does a really good job of tunneling his pitches where the pitches look similar. But then, you know, it slides or it, it falls off the table with the curveball or it just zooms by you with the fastball. That's what makes him so challenging is that the pitches are tunneled so well and they look identical. And one is, you know, 80, 86 to 89 with a super hard cut. One is, you know, 92 with the fastball with some movement. And then the other one is like in the 70s with just a, a, a super drop in the curve. And so... Man, yeah, Kershaw just doing his thing. And, and, and I'll say this, man, is I'm not like you where I believe Kershaw's the greatest of all time. And so I am typically like a Kershaw doubter. Like I, I constantly feel like he's going to just have a bad start or he's going to drop off. Um, But he just, man, he holds it down. Even his, his bad starts are still good starts, you know. And so that's just a testament to him, man. You're right. He is getting better. He pitches super smart. So shout out to Kershaw, man, doing his thing. He's Tom Brady, man. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, for those that don't watch football, Tom Brady is constantly referred to as a, a game manager, a guy who can, you know, he doesn't necessarily have all the athleticism in the world, especially at what, like 43 years old, but he knows how to manage a game. And that's exactly what Kershaw is. Now, if you think back to the Padres series and how many stolen bases they had against us, I can't remember one guy that threw over to first to hold the guy uh, on base to prevent the, the stolen base. Kershaw this game kept runners in check. He kept throwing over to first. He made sure that guys didn't even have that thought, you know, run through their mind. And I know I think someone stole base on him uh, early, but he's that kind of a guy. He can manage the game. He can hold guys on. He can pick guys off. And like you said, no one's going to run on him because he's got that wicked, nasty uh, pickoff move. And so that's the best I can put it. He is the Tom Brady of baseball in the GOAT sense and in the game manager sense. He just, he's too good. He's getting smarter. He's adapting and he's really playing to his strengths, diversifying. Hey, let's, 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 let's hit on this offense a little bit, man. 
we have Turner hit that solo bomb in the third inning. And um, the offense really just goes off in the eighth, bro. We had a RBI triple by Taylor. Uh, your boy, AJ Pollock, who you really are not a fan of, he hits a single and then gets a steal, bro. Shout out to AJ Pollock for stealing bases, bro. Shout out to AJ Pollock for stealing bases, man. I like that. I like that aggressiveness, man. I like the fact that he's there and he's trying to make things happen. So shout out to AJ Pollock. And then after that, we get back-to-back um, back -back walks. And then our boy, Matt Beatty, comes in with the pinch hit, two-run single. The homie Mookie Betts with the two-run single. We hit around. The lineup hits around in the eighth inning. Um, so huge eighth inning, man. And uh, that that that's basically the game, man. We end up winning that game eight, eight to zero. Uh, and here's the the stat that sticks out to me that I think is the difference maker in this game is hitting with runners in scoring position four for eleven. That'll get it done. You know, shout out to the uh, to the bullpen. Trinan came in and just shut it down. He had three strikeouts in one inning. He's I don't know why we have him in as the uh, I guess he was a setup man in this uh, this game coming in the uh, eighth inning, but he's usually coming in like the sixth, seventh when he should really be coming in in the later innings. Um, I think I trust him more than Jansen, to be honest. Um, I know he's got, you know, he gets his like down games where he allows, allows a run, but he's been reliable this year and last year. And uh, I, I hope that he gets put into those situations until Canable can come back because like we saw yesterday with Jansen, he's a wild card and we really don't know what we're going to get. And it's not you know, worth the risk. But hopefully this game really kickstarts another another good run, another, you know, strong run. And, you know, let's take it to, to the Brewers, man. Yeah, man. We got the uh we got a four game series against the Brewers um coming up and man the Brewers are uh the Brewers are balling, bro. The the Brewers have um a couple horses, man. They got a, a couple aces on their staff, and, you know, Peralta's pitching well as well. They got uh, Woodruff. They got Burns. Both those dudes are studs, and then Peralta's pitching really well as well. So we'll see, man. We shall see. Looks like we got Burns on Sunday against Udius. On Saturday, looks like we got uh, Woodruff against Dustin May. I think Dave Roberts said Friday is a bullpen game, and then I believe tomorrow we got the homie Trevor Bauer. So, uh... We'll see, man. Tell me your prediction, bro, before, before we uh, log off on this Dodger segment. What is your prediction for this Brewer series, four-game series? Man, I, I really think we um, split. Again, Burns, Woodruff are great. We haven't been playing great. Dodgers haven't really shown me that they're going to you know, go on a run outside of today, outside of the one inning, really. Um, so I hope we win three, but I could see – or I think it's more likely that we split the series. What are your predictions? Uh, I'm going to say we lose the series 3-1. to one. I'm just not confident in the Dodgers' offense right now. I'm not confident in Dave Roberts putting out the best lineup for us offensively. I think he's going to, you know, mix and match and try to get everyone at bats. And I get it. It's April. You know, it's early on. You want to give everyone reps. But um, I just feel like the, the Brewers pitching is, is pitching really well right now. They're doing really good. And so <clears throat> I don't think that... I don't think that's a team where you can just be like, all right, Luke Rayleigh, go ahead and get out there. Edwin Rios, go ahead and, and get out there. Like those dudes are going to get shut down. Um, and, and you talked about uh, Burns, bro. So Burns has 49 strikeouts and no walks. That's that's impressive, bro. 49 strikeouts, no walks. He Is that did even have, a ratio? Bro, I don't even, 49 to zero, bro. 49 strikeouts, no walks. And 
and check this, he did have a little bit of a, his last outing was a bit rough against the, um, you know, against the Marlins, five innings, eight hits, five earned runs. So, um, or five runs, four earned runs. So he did get, you know, get, he had nine strikeouts, but you know, more recently looking a little bit more human in that last start. But I'm just, I'm not sold on the Dodgers offense, man. I, I think we continue to struggle until we get, I think a couple things I'm not sold on. Number one, our bullpen. Our bullpen is struggling. So I think until we start getting guys back from the IL, our bullpen will continue to struggle and when they can't be trusted. Number two, our offense, besides, you know, five hitters, I don't trust the next three hitters. Uh, so, and I think that's what's been making the difference. Unless I see Matt Beatty playing every game, AJ Pollock, Matt, between AJ, AJ Pollock and Matt Beatty, Chris Taylor, Sheldon Noisy, um, unless Roberts is going to commit to not giving Edwin Reels any more at bats and not giving any more at bats to Luke Rayleigh, then I'll feel a little bit better. But I, I don't think Roberts is going to do that. So I'm going to say we lose this series three to one, and Dodgers Twitter is going to be just super upset as the Giants are going to pass us for first place. You know, Giants aren't good, and it's, it's only a you matter of time. You heard it here they, first. You heard no, it here man. first, bro. Giants aren't good. It's only a matter of time before they sort of go back to their old self. Um, just want to put this out there. The Padres are in fourth place <laughs> as of this moment. So, so much for their hot start. It seems like they play against the Dodgers and, you know, take the day off against everyone else. Or maybe they put so much effort into the Dodgers that, like, they're exhausted by the time they come up against everyone else because they're not doing well at all. But yeah, man, the Giants are a huge surprise. The Diamondbacks are a huge surprise, to be honest. The West, man, you know, four teams above 500, all really good, uh, all really good teams. Uh, so it's going to be a, a battle this year, man. It's, it's almost like the, NLE or the ALEs turned into the uh, NL West uh, polar opposite. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, but any last thoughts before we uh, go over to the Lakers? Anything that you uh, that stood out to you that you want to you know mention? Not really, bro. Not really. I'm just uh, I'm looking forward to this series against the Brewers. I think that's good competition. Uh, hopefully, Mookie has shaken off a bit of the rust that he's shown since he's come back from the injury and the hit by pitch. Uh, and just hopefully our our the top of the order just kind of gets locked in and someone in the bottom of the order can just pick us up each game. That's really what you need. Maybe one guy each game to just get a couple clutch hits and that makes a difference, man. So we'll see. All right, City of Champions podcast listeners, it's now time to transition and talk about your Los Angeles Lakers, who had two games more recently on the road. Uh, we had one game against Orlando Magic where we picked up the win, and then we uh, earlier today we uh, finished off the second game against the Washington Wizards where we did take that L. A very disappointing game by the Lakers. But let's start off with the game against the Orlando Magic. Edgar, I'm going to go to you first, man. Just hit me with just your, your initial and overall thoughts about this game against the Magic. Concerning, you know, because again, the Magic, like we said before, are a team that are just tanking. They've given up on the season. To them, it's more of a benefit to lose so they can get a better spot in the draft. And we almost... Uh, we almost lost. I'm not going to say we almost lost, but it was really close and too close for comfort. That second quarter killed us. Not the kind of game that we should uh, we should be having, especially against a team like this. Um, they shot really well from three. They had way too many free throws. So that's uh, an indication that, you know, we're, we're fouling too much. So it was one of those games where, yeah, we got the victory, but it was almost like a like a moral defeat, you know, we shouldn't feel good about it. We should, we should feel bad about it. What are your thoughts about that? 
here are my initial thoughts about this game, man. When we had the last pod, I told us that I said that we should easily beat Orlando because they're tanking for sure. And I believe three of the rotation players sat out this game. I think it just comes down to a lack of respect on the Lakers part for their opponent, which leads to a lack of focus and and not a lack of focus for the entire game, but just pockets of them losing their focus. So first quarter, they come out great, a lot of energy. Uh, They hold the magic to 16 points. Second quarter, they give up 40 points, bro. That's a 160 point pace for a game. They give up 40 points in the second quarter. They lose a quarter 40 to 22. They go to the half down 50 to 56. Just turnovers, poor offensive execution, missed shots, easy offense for Orlando, just everything that would lead to this to happen, right? Then they picked their focus back up in the third quarter. They come out more focused, more energized. The bench did a better job in the set in the third quarter. Um, Trez just bringing that energy off the bench. And so we close the third quarter down by five. Uh, we did end up winning that or, or down by one, I should say. And we won that quarter by five. So The game comes down to the fourth quarter where we clearly locked in, man. We clearly locked in the fourth quarter. The bench started off the quarter great. Um, We take the lead. uh, And then Schroeder, man. Schroeder balled in the fourth quarter. 13 points in the fourth. Um, AD clutched down the stretch, hitting big shots. And that's definitely a positive seeing just AD start to find his rhythm and his groove. And we win the fourth quarter by 12. And we end up winning the game. So it's just, it's a little frustrating, man, to see the Lakers focus not focus take it serious not take it serious because like we need to win these games man we we can't keep playing around and we'll talk about the standings in a bit but it's not even just like winning the games for the standings it's at a certain point you got to lock in and you got to get ready for the playoffs and everyone wants to say well Bron's going to come back Bron's going to come back and everything's going to be okay but the other guys need to be locked in and so you know this game was a tad bit concerning even though we did win but big games by Schroeder who had 21 and 10 AD finished with 18 and 8 Drummond a solid double double 13 and 11 Trez off the bench with 18 and 5 solid game any other thoughts on this Orlando game Edgar like you said it's good to see AD sort of getting you know getting in his rhythm um really happy with uh, Schroeder but his performance considering what happened today is also concerning he dominated a bush league squad but when he goes up against top point guards like Russell Westbrook, like Holiday, he gets eaten alive. He doesn't do well. And so again, we talked about his contract situation before, and I said it then, and I'll say it now. If this guy wants to get paid the big bucks, he's got to perform against the best players. He cannot be getting beaten the way he does. And that's really what's most concerning, right? Because in the playoffs, that's what it's going to be. He's not going to be going up against scrubs. He's going to be going up against the best. And if he's putting up those kinds of performances where he just doesn't put up numbers, that's cause for concern. Does this guy deserve to get paid or does he, or, you know, should we pass on him? Should we sign and trade him? That's really, you know, the biggest thing that stood out to me um, out of that game. Disappointing, man. Disappointing. It's a win, but it's disappointing. Expected more out of them. Expected more out of our uh, perimeter defense. Can't let other teams shoot 44% from three. So... All around, I would say a poor performance by by the Lakers. Yeah, and so let's transition with your point about Schroeder and go to this Wizards game that we played earlier today. We're recording this on Wednesday, in which we lost 107-116. The very first tweet I think I sent about this game on our City of Champs account was excited to see Schroeder accept the challenge of playing against Russ 
I wanted to see because Schroeder in that Orlando Magic's game, he was barking, he was talking trash, he was going all hard. So for me as a fan, I'm like, bring that same energy against Russell Westbrook because everyone knows Russell Westbrook is a dog. And I wanted to see is Schroeder going to match his energy, match his effort, match his intensity, his passion, and is he going to accept the challenge to try to lock up and go at him? You know, bring that same energy. And I, I did not see that from him this game. Um... AD and Drummond started off the game really well for us, and we looked really good to start. We're shooting 60, 60% in the first. Uh, we were up by four, 35 to 31. That's the first concern I saw. You're shooting 60%, but you're only up four. That means that you're playing great offense, but your defense is not doing a great job. So that was my first concern there when I saw that. Now we go to the second quarter, and some concerns really start to pop out. Poor free throw shooting. A scoring drought of about four minutes, a little bit more than four minutes. Our offense went completely cold. Poor three-point shooting. At I think at a point in the second quarter, we were three for 13. I think that's what we finished the half with, three for 13 from the three-point line. Robin Lopez, bro. Robin Lopez giving us the work with the baby hooks. What Legit, did I like, say? Hey, bro, did you, did you shout out Robin Lopez, bro? Yeah, I, I said, do you think AD and Drummond are really maybe a match for Robin Lopez? Shit, they weren't, bro. Uh, Robin Lopez and Alex Lynn gave us trouble. Alex Lynn, they both gave us trouble, man. Um, anyone that r- watches Russell Westbrook play, one of the words like you'll use to describe him is he's super athletic, uh, plays with great pace and great speed. And that's the Wizards, man. They get up and down the floor so fast and they were constantly rebound and they're pushing it constantly in transition. So what that led to was a lot of times the Lakers defense was out of position and they ended up just having to scramble for defensive possession after defensive possession. They just kept getting beat, man. Um, luckily Kuzma hit a couple threes in that quarter to, um, get us closer but we did go into the halftime down 61 to 55 so I was just like okay you know maybe maybe we'll pick it up but the third quarter just it didn't get any better man they quickly pushed the lead to 10 we were just struggling with turnovers the offense goes cold again bro they pushed it to 15 our offense went on another four minute drought how are you gonna go on two four minute droughts in one basketball game that's that's ridiculous. And part of it is Frank Vogel's rotations. I'm starting to have some concerns with his second uh, his second unit rotation. So Alex Caruso was out today. So the second unit was primarily THT, McLemore, I think Kuzma was running with them, Harold and Keefe. There's no primary playmaker on that lineup. THT, that's not his role. He's not a primary playmaker. He's a slasher. He's a, someone who gets to the rim, attacks the rim. He doesn't set the table on offense. When Vogel does that, our offense tends to start struggling without Schroeder or without AD with that second unit. Someone to kind of set the tone for the offense. And so uh, McLemore hits a couple threes, luckily in that quarter, but we end up the quarter down 13, 90 to 77. And I'm thinking, all right, this game is still within reach. Maybe we can get there. No. The Wizards quickly pushed the lead to 19 in the fourth. So here's something that was done that was very interesting. And I think we saw the benefits of it. And Vogel's going to have to go to it moving forward. He moves AD to the five, which is what he played a lot in the fourth quarter last year. So it was it was him at the five, which I believe um, moved Kuzma to the four. And I think he was out there with KCP, McLemore, and KCP, McLemore, and Schroeder. And what that did was it just opened up the game so much for um, for everyone but it also opened up the floor for Dennis Schroeder because then he starts to get aggressive. I think it's going to be hard, man. I'm curious to see what happens when LeBron comes back. But with Drummond and AD 
And like, let's say you put LeBron in there. I think the paint is going to be crowded, man. I think the paint is going to be crowded. And if Drummond's not in the dunker spot, so if he's not by the rim, if he's at the free throw line today, there's a couple possessions when he was at the free throw line at the top of this, the key. And his man, Alex Lynn, was like 10 feet off of him. And so that, you know, that definitely clogs up the driving lanes. But it was good to see the offense get going when AD went to the five. Um, He really had a good fourth quarter. I think he put up a little bit like 12 or a little bit more than 12 points in the fourth. We cut the game to nine, but then, you know, Bradley Beal, Bradley Beal and uh, Russell Westbrook did their thing. And they kind of just closed the game out, man. What are, your, what are your thoughts on this game, bro? Something that stuck out to you? Um, I think it was a little bit of a, a, a I mean, I predicted that they would win. I, I really thought they would pull it out. I had faith. You said you thought they would lose, man. Did you see anything in this game that kind of just solidified or what, what you thought? Not really. I, I kind of expected what would happen. Beal, Russ, those guys are animals. They push the pace. They score. They get to the rim. They do everything. They're two stars, right? And uh, if you look at Russ's stat line, it's ridiculous. Like it's something out of uh, NBA Jam or something. So I expected it, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm happy that AD is sort of, you know, picking it up. I think once LeBron comes back, it won't be such a problem because LeBron, he plays the one. Le- LeBron's the point guard on the team. I think what's going to be interesting is the second unit, right? Because if you've got LeBron running the uh, the one, that kind of puts Schroeder in an awkward spot to either, you know, be the two or maybe move him you know, to the second unit with uh, with Drummond while AD and uh, LeBron sort of, you know, get the rest or bring him into the one, take Drummond out, and then uh, slide AD to the uh, to the five while LeBron sits as well. So I think there's a lot of options, especially uh, later in the game. I, if you look back at the playoffs last year, something similar happened, like you said, where AD slid to the five and uh, Dwight rode the bench for the fourth quarter. So, and you know, that was how we exploited other, other lineups. So I think we have a lot of options, right? We're really getting to the point where we can be really dynamic and we can really go up against any lineup. It doesn't matter if, you know, we go up against the, uh, the Nets or the, uh, the 76ers or the the Bucks, we've got something for each. We've got something for their first, uh, you know, their starters and for their second unit. So I was happy to see that. I was happy to see AD perform when he was in the five, and I was happy to see Drummond start off the game really, uh, really well. So I was I, I was happy to see that. As far as what happened, uh, you know, Russ and Beal, they, they're unstoppable. And as long as we don't have our you know third or number one scorer, number two scorer in LeBron, then. I knew we were going to miss that uh, that extra offense, which which was the difference in the game, right? We we only lost by nine, and it wasn't like one of those games where we got completely blown out, and you know the second unit was put in there late and kind of cut the lead at the end. We got beaten, and uh, it it showed that we were you know missing LeBron. Our three point shooting wasn't great. It's not something that I expect to happen all the time. Mclemore was four for twelve. You know I'm not going to say that he's going to shoot like that every game. Um, I think when LeBron comes back, he would have been the difference maker uh so I, I was happy overall i was happier with this game than i was with the with the game against the magic um it, it's good it's a good sign you know the, the wizards were hot they were a hot team again one of the best in the east uh, especially the second half of the season so good things from this game um good things moving forward especially with ad's uh, performance yeah i agree um the positive I'm going to take away from this is that AD finally looked like he was able to lock in and find some rhythm, finished with 26 points, uh, hit two threes, shot 10 for 20 from the field. So he's starting to find his rhythm. He's still not there, but he's starting to find his rhythm. Other positives, like you said, Drummond finished with 17 and 11, very aggressive. Um, it's funny, man. A funny point on Drummond. 
the easy finishes he tends to struggle with, like the easy putbacks. But this dude be doing some real acrobatic layups and acrobatic finishes, bro. I don't, I don't get it. Cause I'm just like, literally all I need him to do is grab the ball and put it in the rim and he'll miss that. But if he has to go like up and under between his legs around his back, like jelly, everything just, just finishes it super easy. So, which is interesting, man. And, and shout out to Kuzma, man. He did a really good job passing the ball today. Finished with eight assists, but we did take the L. So let's move on to the standings and upcoming games because things are getting interesting. Things are getting interesting, man. We're still in the fifth seed. We're still in the fifth seed, bro. Let me uh, let me uh, cut you off because I'm looking at the uh, Clippers-Phoenix game right now and Phoenix is up by nine towards the end of the third. And, and so that makes it interesting, right? Because those two teams are battling for the, you know the first seed. I don't think the Jazz are going to hold that spot just because, again, they're missing their uh, best player. So it's really going to be these two teams that are going to slide into the first or second uh, second spots to uh, to end the uh, the season, and so it's interesting because I wasn't expecting the Suns to be up, especially with the way the Clippers are playing uh, now that they have Rondo. So I mean, look, real quick on this Clippers uh, Suns game, it looks like Kawhi Leonard is not playing. So I mean, that makes sense why they they would be losing uh, Kawhi Leonard probably getting some rest or whatever. Um, but Whatever, not tripping on the Clippers, man. We got our own issues to worry about. So we're in the fifth seed. I told you last episode, bro, we're not catching the Nuggets for the fourth seed. That's, it's just not going to happen at this point. We need to be focused on not giving up the fifth seed. So currently Dallas is one game behind us and they have the Pistons tomorrow, which is Thursday. They have the Wizards Saturday and they have the Kings Sunday. That's all three games are winnable for the Mavericks. But they'll win at least two of three. Then we're two games ahead of Portland, who's in the um, the seventh seed. That's really where we don't want to fall because that's the play-in tournament. And Portland has the Nets on Friday and they have the Celtics on Sunday. So I'm going to say I'm going to say Portland loses both of those games. Now, our schedule from, you know, just looking from, you know, today, Wednesday night until Sunday, we have the Kings on Friday, who are three and seven in their last 10. And De'Aaron Fox is not playing. He's out for COVID protocol. So I think we should be able to beat the Kings. Then we have the Raptors on Sunday. They're six and four in their last 10, but they're also just two games out of the play-in tournament. So Raptors are going to be playing hard trying to get in there. So I think we lose to the Raptors. So if that does happen and we split 1-1 and Dallas wins two of three, that means that we would be, I believe that means we'd be tied. We'd be tied for the fifth seed and Dallas owns the tiebreaker. Um, obviously there's more games to play, but that's where I'd put us at on as of Sunday. That's um, where the schedule gets tough. For who? For us? For us, yeah. Oh yeah, because we have the Nuggets. Clippers, yep. Who do we got after that? Denver Clippers? Portland, Phoenix, New York. Again, young team can run. Mm, but Portland yeah. is playing. Phoenix is hooping. New York. Damn, dude, that's a tough, dang, that's a tough stretch. So LeBron's got to come back against the Nuggets at the very, very latest, if not earlier. Ah, uh, man, we'll see, bro. But Nuggets... That can be an L. Clippers, we're losing to the Clippers, bro. We're not beating the Clippers. Blazers, Dame always gives us the work. Suns, Knicks. Wow, that's a tough stretch. That's a tough four four games. That's going to be a... Yeah, I mean, like I said, you know, LeBron's got to come back against Denver, if not earlier. Because, again, we can't... We could very easily lose... Again, we're going to lose to the Clippers. We could very easily lose to Denver. We could very easily lose to Portland, Phoenix, and New York. We could lose to all those teams. Bro, this is a brutal stretch. Check this out. Check this out real quick. So we have the Raptors this upcoming Sunday. Then we have a back-to-back against the Nuggets on Monday. Back-to-back, that's going to be rough. But then we get two days off. 
Then we have another back-to-back, Thursday, Friday, against the Clippers and the Blazers. Then we get a day off. Then we have the Sun Sunday. We get a day off. We have the Knicks Tuesday. Then we have Knicks Rockets back-to-back Tuesday, Wednesday. Then we get a day off or get two days off. And then we have back-to-back to finish the season, uh, Pacers Pelicans. So from now to the end of the season, bro, we have one, two, three back-to-backs. And the Pelicans are, I mean, not necessarily out of the playoffs, but they're still, you know, fighting to get in. Um, doubt they will, but there's incentive enough for them to keep pushing. Um, same with, same with Toronto, another team that's close enough to where they could, you know, keep pushing, right? And give us a really tough challenge. And the Pacers, another team that needs to keep pushing because they're only, you know, a few games up in the uh, East uh, in the ninth, uh, the ninth seed. They'll, they'll probably make it, but they don't want to get comfortable, right? They're not going to be the kind of team that's going to get comfortable towards the end of the season. So every single one of those teams is playing for something. The Knicks, the Clippers, the Suns, the Nuggets, everyone is playing for, you know, playoff uh, berth or better seating. So none of these games are going to be easy. We can't take them lightly. And it's concerning, you know, we've got to get LeBron back in there. We've got to get him in top shape for when the playoffs start. We've got to get him in rhythm. And so that's why I think against the Nuggets would be a good time because he's got that two-day uh, sort of um, gap between the next game where he could deal with any kind of soreness that he's going to come across. We know he's LeBron. We know he, he takes care of his body. But when you're coming back from a long stretch of missed games, you're going to experience some sort of soreness. You're going to experience some sort of, you know, I guess out of, uh, he won't be in sync for, for, for the first few games. So that two, uh, day stretch of, of rest is going to be really good, especially going, uh, up against the next two teams on back to back days. So we've got to get him back. Yeah, definitely. So real quick, I, I made an error. So we are currently a game and a half ahead of Dallas. And we're two games ahead of Portland. So if Dallas does go two and one in their next three and we go one and one, we will be one game ahead of them. So we'll go one, we'll be one game ahead of them heading into that brutal stretch that we just talked about. Um, and I think Portland's going to win both. I'm not really too worried about Portland, in the seven seed, um, but we have a chance to um, really get some space between them by playing them when we, when we come across them real quick. Let's just do this, man. Let's take a look at just Dallas's remaining schedule. So they have the Kings Sunday. And so after the Kings, they have the Heat, the Nets, the Cavs, the Cavs, the Grizzlies, the Pelicans, the Raptors, Timberwolves. So a couple tough games there between against the Heat, against the Nets, against the Grizzlies, maybe the Raptors. So uh, they don't have too tough of a schedule, man. We shall see. Going to be interesting down the stretch. What's your prediction for these next two games for the Lakers, bro? Let's finish on that. Oh, boy. My ne- my prediction, um, oh, man, it's tough. It really depends on whether or not LeBron comes back, right? He come back any minute. He was, uh, I think he was clear to come back this week. Um, so if, let's say LeBron doesn't come back, I think we split. And I'm only saying that because Sacramento's a wild card, right? They beat the, uh, they beat the Mavericks after the Mavericks beat us two games in a row. So they could very easily have a good game where they could beat us, especially without LeBron. Like I said, with Toronto, they're fighting. They've got to keep fighting. So yeah, I think we'll split the next two games. Yeah, I, I think the same, man. I see us splitting. I see us beating the Kings and losing to the Raptors. But we'll see. We'll probably record again on Sunday um, and just get you all caught up on that. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for hanging out and rocking with us. Uh, please give us a follow at uh, City of Champs, uh, at underscore City of Champs on Twitter. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the pod on Apple Pod or Spotify. And if you are 
subscribing to us on Apple Pod. Please make sure that you leave us a five-star review and show us some love. Uh, keep up with us on Twitter. The homie Edgar is putting out some merch, t-shirts, tank tops, posters, stickers coming soon. A lot of great Lakers, Dodgers uh, merch. So follow along with us for some giveaways and just, you know, to support us. Uh, we appreciate all the love. We appreciate your support. And we'll talk to you all soon. Peace. Peace.